And in Genesis 12, that Aubrey read for us, God tells Abraham that he wants to bless all the families of the earth through him. Then in Psalm 86, which Virginia read, King David says that God is drawing all the nations to worship him. In the Matthew 20, chapter 28, Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Then, in the Revelation chapter 7, John sees a great multitude from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, who stand before the throne of God, praising them with palm branches and shouts of joy, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne. And to the land. I think everyone recognizes a common theme in those passages. Huh? They come from all over the biblical landscape, don't they? The beginning, the middle, and the end. But they point to a single, in a single direction. A separated, divided humanity. Unified before God. And it's not a forced march of immunity. Nor is it a romantic idealism. The unity has been hard won through the Lamb who gave himself as a sacrifice for sin, for our sin. And those who have found this unity in the Lamb are gathered around him, having given themselves as a sacrifice in return. So taken together, all of these passages tell the story of how God has worked in the world, how he is working now. And how he's going to work in the world. So, so first, I, I want us to look at how God has worked in the world. God, throughout history to today, has chosen individuals and families to make them a blessing for the world. You know, the, the amount of brokenness and evil in our world is staggering. And because of technology, we are more aware of this today than any previous generation. More than any other time, we're presented with live updates of the terrible things that are happening everywhere, all the time. And perhaps even more staggering than the brokenness and evil in the world is the sheer vastness of the world. The population estimate in 2020 was 7.8 billion people. At the end of our service today, we're going to name together the billions of people in the world who do not worship Jesus, who have not been invited, as we'll say later, to the table of the Lamb. And for a church like ours to think that we are called to evangelize and make disciples of all 7.8 billion some of you would throw in the towel before we start, and the rest would go mad in the process. You know, the Bible never tries to hide the darkness of the world. It doesn't. There are parts of the Bible that are highly inappropriate for children because it's not hiding the brokenness of the world. It never attempts to oversimplify or whitewash the way things are. And instead, what the Bible does is it shows that within the vastness and within the darkness, God, the Creator, is still at work. And He works much more patiently than most of us do. 
Throughout time, God has worked by choosing individuals and families to make them a blessing for the world. And he still does this right now with people like you guys, like, like me, all of us. Take the story of Abraham. Abraham's just a guy. He is. And in one significant way, Abraham is a failure of a guy. He's a guy with a wife, uh, past middle-aged, still with no children. No ability to leave anything behind him when he dies. He is going to be forgotten from history. But God shows up in Abraham's life, and God tells Abraham, leave your homeland. Go to a land I will show you. I'll make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And so begins the long, painful road for Abraham of learning to submit his life to another. Of learning to live by faith instead of by what he can see. But in this process of learning to submit to God, Abraham unexpectedly puts himself in the way of God's blessing. He didn't see this coming. His family, despite all its flaws, and there are lots of flaws in Abraham's family, they still become a blessing for generations. So if you read the book of Genesis, which I encourage you, sit down and read the book of Genesis, little by little, work your way through it's just as powerful today as it ever has been. Abraham's family slowly grow as a people of repentance, recognizing their wrong. They also show a slowly increasing integrity. And by that, I mean they lie less and less. And that's progress. <laughs> and also in following Yahweh, this God who has called Abraham, they learn to worship in ways that dignify their lives. And that happens in a culture of perverse idolatry and rife immorality. What God does in the lives of Abraham's family is amazing. It really is. And this is the way God has worked in the world throughout history, and he still works in this way. He works in individuals and in families over the long haul, forming them to be more of a blessing for the world, making them more human, having greater dignity in cultures that are full of perverse idolatry and right and immorality. And it's the same today. Now, this same pattern of choosing individual, using individuals to bless the world. It shows up in Psalm 86. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and it shall glorify your name. How does that vast vision come to be? All the nations you have made shall come to you. Listen to what David says right after that. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So, so this is the counterintuitive way that God works in the world. He starts locally. And when I say locally, I mean as local as it gets. With me and with my heart. Uniting all its fragmented loyalties to fear him alone. And with you and with your heart. Uniting your heart and all its fragmented loyalties 
to fear him and him alone. You know, the world's problems are our nation's problems. If you're listening into the news, if you're on social media, all these things are presented to us as vast ideas that require vast solutions. And it is complex. I'm not trying to make it smaller than it is. But a Christian faith always deals with a concrete, with you and with me and our hearts. And where are we standing before God and before the world? So the question really is, are you on the kind of course with God that is continually uniting your heart to fear Him? Or are you on a different course? This is the way that God makes us a blessing to the world. God chooses individuals and families and shapes them. And that process always begins in surrender and in submission to God. So are you doing that? So God has worked in the world. He is working in the world right now by calling people like you and me to submit to him. But there's another way he's working right now. He's working through the church as broken as it is. The church is God's way of bringing his designs into the present. So the vision of heaven in Revelation chapter 7 that we heard, it's mirrored on earth through the life of the church. So every Sunday, our church recites a creed right after the sermon that the church has recited some version of for nearly all of its history. One of the phrases in the creed is, I believe in the one holy Catholic church. And then the word Catholic here means the universal church. The church in every place gathers as one people around the Lamb who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin and redemption so that we might receive the Holy Spirit and become a greater blessing to the world as children of Abraham. This family. So whether it's an African woman worshiping under a tree today, or a Chinese man who worships underground, holding his scriptures tightly, treasuring them because he's not allowed to have them. Or Americans worshiping under a pavilion or on a Zoom screen. We proclaim the same creed. Our belief in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, we are not an independent church. And if you try to claim to be an independent Christian, then you are going to be disconnected from God's plan for the world. We're a global church. Our faith and our work don't belong to just us. They're the faith and the work of the church throughout the world. And in their faith, their work is ours too. And God is using the church through this global unity. Under the land. So the language of diversity and unity and equality. This language is so important to our culture and country right now. And frankly, our culture and our country have tried to uh, take this language from Christianity, but skew Christianity. Where we can, Christians need to affirm these things in our culture. 
Listen to what the, uh, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, or whatever is just, think about and honor these things. But the problem develops when there's no common vision around what that diversity or equality actually mean. When diversity and equality are not rooted in some larger vision of truth and goodness. And this is a growing problem right now in our world. We speak about these things with no common vision of what it means to be a human being, to be morally responsible, or to be fallen as human beings. But in the church, God displays a true diversity and a true unity. Notice that this vision in Revelation, the diversity and unity within the church is not forced. It's not. It's created by the Lamb, by His loving sacrifice that draws these from every nation, every tribe, every people, and language to worship and serve Him. The Lamb has invited all of us into His unity in the cross. And this is what creates the church, the global church. He invites us to be forgiven and loved in spite of everything that we've been, everything that we've done. And when we receive this in our lives, Christ's love and forgiveness on our behalf, we can present a true unity to the world that is hard won through the blood of Christ and the devotion of the church. We can say with the church past, present, and future, we believe in one God. The Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. God has worked in the world for people like you and me. By calling us out to walk with Him, to learn and grow in relationship with Him, and to become different people than we were. He's been so kind in doing this. People like Abraham and now making all of us who receive him, children of Abraham. And if you don't know God, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can receive this forgiveness in your life. God is working for the church to show what, to show what a unity and diversity look like in the world. Right now, it's noted widely that traditional faith is diminishing, particularly in our country and across the West. But here's what's fascinating. In its place, you see a religious zeal and in all kinds of other areas. You see some people who are growing narrower. And in, a kind of, and in these um, racial supremacy movements, but then you see other movements that are proclaiming all kinds of inclusivity that don't speak of any kind of moral responsibility. God is using the church to show what a true unity looks like. And it's a unity that is created by the loving sacrifice that the Lamb has given for us. That we might be forgiven, and then we might learn what it means to be real human beings made in the image of God.